Okay, welcome to our Tanya Inside Out Shia. We are up to Perak Lamad Gimel, Achinas Lag Ba'omer, chapter 33. Okay, I've called the chapter. The chapters don't have their own they don't have titles, but everyone gives them their own titles. I've called it the joy of divine dwelling. So just as a quick recap up until now, the way the Sefer breaks down um, is very, it's it's the tachlis of, of Masuda, Mamash. Um, the way they basically explain it is from Perik, um, from Perik 1 to 8 is giving you the lexicon of all the words we're going to be using and basically describing the pieces of creation. Okay. We learn what Klipa is. We learn what Kedusha is. We learn what the Nefesh of Bahamas, the Nefesh of Akis is. We learn what a Jew is. We learn what Torah is. We learn what mitzvahs are. We get all the groundwork done. I mean, you could, you could literally spend your life learning chapters one to eight because really everything's in there from then on. It's just putting it all together, but that's, that's the, that's like the getting the ingredients together. Okay. From chapter nine till nine through um, uh, 15 is the discussion on um, the different ways of how they fit together. The Benoni, the Russia, the Tzaddik, and how all the pieces interact. Okay. From chapter 16 and 17 of their own unit. And they're basically describing what our long-term goal is. The avoider of the Jew in this world is not behavioral perfection. That's just, that's just taken for granted. That you're going to be perfect and your thought, speech, and action is just a given. Yeah? So the avoider of the yid in this world, assuming that your thought, speech, and action is always aligned with mitzvah and never with Avera, now the avoider of the Jew in the world is to now get the internal world aligned with the avoider Shalom. So you're not going against the grain to behave correctly. There's no, you have to behave correctly. It's just like in marriage. You can't be horrible to your wife. You just can't, just can't. Um, so, but maybe you want to be, maybe you feel like being horrible to her. It's, it's not, what's the, not, not, um, it's, it's, it's non-negotiable. Yeah. Being horrible to her is not negotiable. Yeah. But the feeling inside now that, you know, <laughs> we're working on that. So that's what it is. That's really how we should see it in Yiddishkeit. The, the, the behavioral perfection is not, is not negotiable. That's just expected. And that's, um, that, that's, that's expected. Now the avoider, which the Rebbe explains, is now let's work on making this easy for ourselves. This shouldn't be a torturous uphill battle, yeah, where we're just constantly smashing and fighting ourselves. Let's get involved in the right information. Let's connect to the right people. And let's change our inner world so that this behavioral perfection isn't a, isn't a hassle and a schlep. And it becomes, you know... Let's enjoy it. Why not? We're here, you know, we're here for the we're here for the long game, so we might as well enjoy it. That's chapters 16, 17. Chapters 18 to 25 is basically when things aren't going to plan and we're still waiting for the emotions to sink in. 18 to 25 basically creates the he reminds you about the essence of your soul, that you'll give up your life for God. And then he 
creates a binary he gives us a binary way of looking at reality which is basically everything's either a veil or mitzvah there is no middle ground and another word for a veil is a vodazara so just like you would rather give up your life than bow to an idol so kalvachomer eating that piece of tray food or saying that lost and horror is um is also a vodazara so if you would give up your life for Rodazara, then for sure you would let go of some little pleasure that you um that you you know you can give up on a little pleasure so that you won't be over to Rodazara. It's like the guy who comes, you know, the guy in the office who, you know, you say to him, Would you give up your life for your kids? He says, Yeah. He says, Well, why don't you spend any time with them? He's like, mm, that's a good question. Yeah. Just be, be, you know, have some integrity. If your kids are worth giving your life up for, then like the famous quote, no one's ever on their deathbed saying, I wish I spent more time in the office. Yeah, exactly. So if you're prepared to give up your life for them, if they're so important to you, then spend some time with them. Um, then we went into chapters 26, and we're basically finishing. There's a schlub from chapters 26 to 34, which is all about Simcha. And a lot of it's a bit depressing because it's about breaking, it's about it's about breaking depression by using so to speak, by using Shvir Salev and different techniques. But they, that this all forms one, one whole, basically from 26 to um, 31 is, um, is, is details on how to break free from, from uh, depression and to become joyful, to become Simchadik. Perak Lamed Beis, we, we went through very quickly, but that's the most famous Perak in Tanya. Perak Lamed Beis is about Avaz Yisrael which basically says that if you identify with yourself as a yid and not as a not as your personality which we are prone to do then you will end up loving all jews because if you love your yiddish if you love the yisrael in you then you love the yisrael in every yid and that's a segula nifla to love all love all jews meaning disassociate and disidentify with your unique personality and get involved in um, re-identifying with yourself as an ashama. And once you start valuing the Yisrael in you, then you'll start to evaluate, then you'll start to value the Yisrael in every other year. And that's a Sgula Nifla for, for Avas Yisrael. Okay, now we join you, Perak 33. 33, the Rebbe mentions the concept of Dira Batachtoinim. Now, chapters 35, 36, 37 are really dealt, are really, really deal with Dira Batachtoinim. Yeah, giving, explaining what it means, Hashem's dwelling place in his dwelling in the lower, in the lower worlds. Okay. But here we bring it, and it's still connected to Simcha. We're not just we're not just discussing the the philosophical um, 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 existential uh, understandings of dir b'tachtoinim. We're understanding dir b'tachtoinim in regards to how it can bring us simcha. Okay, so that's where we're going now. So the as a on one foot, this whole chapter is basically saying that the the deeper we can understand Yichud Hashem the more simple we're going to have. Getting 
a visceral understanding or experiential feeling of Yichud Hashem will bring us to sin. Okay. Well, just in time, Avi. So, there's a book that I recommend. For any of you hardcore, hardcore people, this is called The Nature of Consciousness, Essays on the Unity of Mind and Matter. Uh, it's by a guy called Rupert Spira or Spira. You can check him out online. He's a really, he's a really good guy. Okay. I don't think he's Jewish. Um, this book, if you can stick with it, is the most profound. Um, um, what do you call it? Um, not dealing with the most profound. Um, um, oh, what's the word? To deal with something, not analysis. What's the word? You deal with something. Whatever. It's a very, a very, very profound. Um, oh, that word. Treatment of Yichud Hashem. It's mamash peladik. It's it's very very boring and very long and 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 philosophical. But it is a really really good. Um, Treatment of Yichud Hashem will give you very big ideas into Yichud Hashem. Um, Yichud Hashem, he calls it non-duality. Okay, so the beginning of the parak we discuss what it means Yichud Hashem, and this is what we're going to discuss now for a little bit with a couple of mashalim. So the the point is, why is Yichud Hashem a segula to come to to joy? Because the more real Hashem becomes to you meaning the more exclusive he becomes to you, it's like you're turning a dial. The more he becomes one, the more you become zero. That's basically what happens. That's why Yichud Hashem, when you start getting clearer and clearer on Yichud Hashem, your problems start to become less and less relevant because you have started to become less and less relevant. And when there's no you, there's no problems. <laughs> but when we say there's no you, don't get all like, oh no, it's all like, eh. it doesn't mean like, it doesn't mean like what everyone says. We know by now, yeah? No you just means you stop relating to yourself as, as, a, as a something fragmented from reality. You're just as much a part of reality as reality. You're not a separate thing. You're not independent thing. You're bound up in the oneness of everything, just like everything else. So it's not like you don't exist. It's you do exist, but you exist in context. And when we get that really clear, then all of our troubles start to become much, much less intense. And to the point where they actually start to dissolve, because if there's no one to have any troubles, then there's no troubles. That's a very hamadragon. It's a sliding scale, but that's the basic idea. Is as we get more and more cognizant that Hashem is everything, then we start to become more cognizant of the fact that my egoic self or my my uh, fragmented, splintered personality is less relevant, and that's really the the, the mechanics of how it works. So, a very important idea that we're going to come to is that to say that Hashem is close 
is um is really inaccurate and it does it does an injustice to the reality Hashem is not close Hashem is not close to you there is by saying Hashem is close to me that's implying that there's me and Hashem that's already starting off on the wrong leg you're made of Hashem like everything else you are of Hashem you're not close to him. There's not you and him. You're of him. So to say you're close to him, I'll tell you one thing that I've, I know people say not like this, but I'm going to say, I, I believe this strongly. The idea of screaming out to Hashem, I think is a very damaging, maybe there's a certain kind of person that could need it, maybe. But in general, to scream out to God, I think is a damaging thing to do. Actually scream out. Why? Because you ever have your kids like sit next to you, scream at you, and you're like, I'm right next to you, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Like I I I you know, I'm in Israel with Hasidish kids, yeah. So my literally the default thing is, I'm a DJ, I'm like, I'm right next to you, please. When you scream out, why would you scream to somebody if they're right next to you? So the screaming itself implies that there's a massive distance. But it doesn't you when someone's next to you, you can, you know, you can still be in tsar and talk in a in a way that expresses your tsar. But the English of screaming out, it already it puts a shem far from you. So I, I've never heard somebody give me a give me a, a, a way around that. That for me is a listen, the the, the Stalin Rebbe, one of the Carlina Rebbe's. They asked, what, why are you screaming? Hashem, you think Hashem can't hear you? He said, no, I know Hashem can hear me. I can't hear myself. So in regards to like tefillah, when you're screaming out praises of Hashem, that's a little bit different. But when you're when you're in a personal percussion, when you scream, that, for me, like, somebody asked the Stalin Rebbe, why do you scream in davening? He said, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, why doesn't everyone else scream in davening? The goal is to arouse your kavana. I, I hear your point. It's well taken, but it's 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 I, really I, just for you. It's a tool to get yourself I hear, into it. It's chagat. Chagat chasidis. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't get out of my problem in that it actually creates a distance. When you're screaming to somebody, it's creating the distance. I hear what you're saying. It arouses you. Yeah, for sure it arouses well, you. Well, that's why we're silent in Shimon Esre and loud in Pasuk de Zimra. It's about arousing yourself you're not talking to hashem in pesukah de zimra yeah but it's not, it's singing praises to hashem that should be loud for sure for sure but i'm just the indian of screaming to god i mean the, the tanya says it as well he says how how is that screaming out like the ones say abba abba he talks about it quite but that, that like i'm saying there's people who say not like this but I'm, this is my own thing anyway the point is that to say that hashem is close is a concession to your own reality. And I don't think that's so helpful. The idea is that Hashem is not close. Hashem is much, much closer than that. We are of Hashem. We are of Him. There's not... Yeah, by the, the, the Tanya, isn't it based on the Pasuk of Kikarov? So how would you, how do you type that up? Kikarov Alecha Davam Oid. Absolutely. Kikaroiv Adava. Well, it says Kikaroiv Hadava Alecha. It's not Hashem's Karoiv. 
is ki karoiv. I mean, there are psukim of Hashem being karoiv, but the point is, this is this is referring. This is what this is what the the Tanya calls kivaselokim. When you get cognizant of the fact that you are of Hashem, that's how close you are to Him. You're made of Him. That's called kivas Hashem. That's called closeness to God. So I was just being pedantic in my in my analysis of the Loshan. But, but the, the, the Indian of Kirvus Hashem is that you go beyond this concept of that he is close to me and that I am of him. That's called real Kirvus Hashem. Now, he brings two analogies, two famous analogies that we're going to discuss. A little bit. These are basically meditations. And this, this book, The Nature of Consciousness, Consciousness by Aspira, he helps you really, he really helps you like, uh, what's it like, cogitate, is that the word? I think cogitate is the word, on, on this, where it can become visceral, where it can become really real. But this is the whole thing, is we're meant to get these inyanim so clear, using the right mashalim, investing the right amount of energy, um, getting things clear, giving it over to people, talking it out with people, discussing it, arguing it, hearing you know and 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 identifying and 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 the more real it becomes that that's when it actually becomes visceral in you and it starts to become a reality and that's called kivas hashem and that brings you simcha that is mamush that mamush brings you simcha when you when you're cognizant of the fact that you're in the bonus room like one of the let, let's do like this let's let's everyone well, let, let's do a, a little meditation for a couple of minutes just to, to get the idea, okay? We're going to close our eyes for a minute, okay? If you want to breathe and stuff, you can do that another time. We're just going to close our eyes. Okay, now I want everybody to picture a uh, a Tesla, okay? Because everyone knows what a nice Tesla looks like. Okay, picture a, a metallic red Tesla in your, in your mind's eye. Okay, get it clear in your mind. Have your eyes closed. I've got my eyes closed. So I can't see. Have it clear in your mind, a, metallic, a beautiful, like, cherry red Tesla. Yeah, you see the handles, you know, the little puffs, like the little flat lines of the handles and the beautiful contours of the whole body. It's shiny. It's in the sun, mummish. It's sparkling. And you peer inside, and it's like a, the, the, like the light tan leather with that big screen in the middle. And the steering wheel is like that nice Tesla steering wheel. And you look around, the whole thing's very clear. It's very real, yeah? Is everybody clear? I can't see, so just say yes if you've got it clear in your head, yeah? You've got the, you got the image clear in your head. It's all very much real, clear in your head. Okay, now let go. Open your eyes. And Tesla's gone. That Tesla was very real but it existed in the fabric of your mind. The minute you let go of the thought, the Tesla's gone. There's no Tesla. So how far was the Tesla from you? You with me? For those of you who are driving, I don't expect you to have done that. But I think everyone understands that that Tesla existed in your mind 100%. And it was very clear. Everything was very, all the details were much clear but it was of the fabric of your mind. It was in your mind. That's how we exist, Kaviyochu, in the Rabboni Shalom. We exist within the fabric of his mind. We are not something other than him. 
like a picture on the screen, this guy, this guy Spira, he uses the, the, the LCD screen the whole time. A picture on the screen gives you the illusion that there's something, but there isn't. Hashem is the screen. Everything's within the screen. It's not like a real, it's not, it's a completely dependent reality that has no mamashos of its own whatsoever. So the two, the two mashal in the Rebbe gives is the concept of speech. Okay. Speech is emotions or intellect enclosed within letters. Okay. Anybody has a, a one-year-old child here or grandchild? Everyone remembers what a one-year-old is like. Yeah. So a one-year-old wants something and he goes like that, yeah? No words, because he doesn't have language. Maybe one year old, like a, a six-month-old. A six-month-old will want the pacifier, will want the candy. Yeah, but doesn't have any language. So the want is still there. The want is beyond language. Feelings, want is for sure beyond language, but even feelings and intellect beyond language. How do we know this? You don't love someone in Spanish or in French or in English or in Hebrew. Love transcends letters. When I say to you, I love you, okay, I've I've enclosed my feeling of love within letters. So midas, the emotions of the soul, are without letters. They are just energies. Even more so, the intellect of the soul, the idea of two times two equals four, yeah? Everybody understands that in the exact same way. In Russia, in China, in Puerto Rico, in Israel, in London, even in LA, everybody understands four times four equals 16 in the same way. They will use different words to represent the concepts. But just like love and emotions are without language, even more so, concepts are without language. Abstract concepts, that's why they're called abstract concepts. We bring them into language and we can give analogies, mashalim for them, but they're beyond language. So where did the words come from? When you're speaking, when I say to you, I love you, what happened there? What happened is that my love for you became enclosed in those eight letters in that certain order, and they left me and they came over to you. But they existed inside me, in my love for you. Those letters existed, merged absolutely merged with the love, with the emotion. That's what he says, because when Hashem speaks, see, when we speak, our words leave our mouth and become realities unto themselves. But there is no place for words to leave Hashem. So Hashem's words are like, um, his words are like the state in us pre-language. Just by the just by the emotions or just by the intellect, where there are no there are no letters and it's all one. That's how we exist in the Rabbinishloom. Then we have the other analogy, which is also tremendously profound. 
which Spira talks about a lot as well, actually, which is the mosh of the sun and the rays of the sun. What is the ray, if you look through your window in the morning or whatever, like uh, in Donny's room right now, yeah? Donny, if your room was to, if you were to like put some smoke in your room, yeah? The way the sun's coming in, you would see like rays of light. What's the relationship of a ray of light to the sun itself? So, the sun. What? What is Byproduct of the sun. A byproduct of the sun. I'm saying it's the byproduct of the sun. You would, so you could say like that. You, you definitely wouldn't say it's something that the sun creates. The, sun the expression of the sun. Exactly. It's an emanation of the sun. It's not separate from the sun. So for, for by definition, if I was to put a break between the sun and the ray, the ray vanishes by definition. That would stop the ray. The, the ray is absolutely dependent on the sun. It's it's an, a completely dependent reality that cannot be severed from the sun. It will stop existing. The minute I put a break between the ray and the sun, it's gone, finished. Well, the ray, the ray still has some time to travel after the sun is extinguished. We'll still see that light. It is separate from the sun. The sun shoots it out and it travels through space and time. I have to think about that. Intuitively, I think that that's not correct because that's just the that's just from our perspective, the fact that the the ray keeps going. But I, I do I hear the point. I hear the point. Let's think about that. But the 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 bait, the real anyway the the point of what the um what the Rebbe takes this towards. So if Gabriel's right, it doesn't affect the actual what the, how the Rebbe treats this. That the Rebbe basically says trace that ray back to the sun. And now try and find the ray in the sun itself. That ray is a, I mean, you can even put a little circle around it on the floor. You could measure it. You could measure how hot it is. You could measure how bright it is. You could draw around it, like I said, etc. It's a very specific thing. But it doesn't exist in the sun. It only exists when the sun isn't there. That's by definition. So that's what he says It's the ray of sun in its source, where it comes from, is non-existent. It doesn't exist. And that's, again, another uh, another analogy that he gives us to, to be misboinen on that will get you cognizant of your relationship to reality. And like I said, Spira, who wrote this book in, I think, 2016, Something like that. One second. Around these, around that time, two thousand seventeen, he brings other mashalim that are. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but they are maybe even more helpful to get cognizant of this concept of non-duality. Okay, the concept of a human being playing the role of another human being, or the idea. This is a good one. Of Imagine you have a dream, okay? Yitzi, you're having a dream, yeah? And Yitzi, you're dreaming that your shlomo, your, your, shlom, your shlomo, 
in Yerushalayim. Yitzi's having a dream that he's shown when you Yitzi is curled up in bed in LA and he's having a dream that he is Shlomi in Yerushalayim. Now, in you, see, when you have a dream, there's you in the dream, yeah? So, so Yitzi, you're walking around Yerushalayim, you see the old city, you see the, the citadel, you see all the, all the stuff, and there's you seeing it. But really, that's all happening in you. You, basically, you become an avatar in your own dream that you've created the landscape. The landscape also exists in your head. So there aren't two things. And that's how Spira explains Yichud Hashem in that it's like Hashem. See, one thing's very important, yeah? I've never seen literally anywhere in all of my, all of my, all of the, my learning, reality in Yiddishkeit referred to as a dream ever. It's referred to as a thought, a speech, never a dream. Yeah, so he refers to it as a dream. So the problem with dream is it gives it, it smacks of, um, of, um, of, uh, of mikra, of uh, randomness and of, of lack of importance. So we don't say that at all. But we can understand it as, a, as an intentional thought. That the Rabboi Shloilam is intentionally thinking this whole world into being. And he creates avatars for himself, so to speak. In the Moshal, it's Yitzi is the Rabboi Shloilam, And his avatar is Shloimi, walking through Yushalayim. But the whole thing exists in Yitzi's reality. There aren't two things. It just appears from the perspective of Shloimi in the dream that there's two things. But in reality, there aren't two things at all because everything's merged with a oneness in the mind of the creator. Is that clear? We could be, but we, you should think about this stuff. The point is, I just threw out some food for thought. These ideas are meant to be thought about. Yeah, like in the morning, when I'm walking, I live in an apartment building. So when I walk down the stairwell and through the corridor, I feel like I'm kind of walking through like the, the furrows of the Rabboni Shalom's mind. Like, the, you know how the brain is all creased and folded and like tubes and stuff. So you can think things like that. That's helpful. Those, those ideas are helpful. That You exist within him. You exist within him in a complete, a complete unity, in a complete oneness. And that is a segula nifla for, um, for, for simcha. And when you get that viscerally, when that becomes real to you, yeah, that's called kirvas Hashem, according to the Tanya. Kirvas Hashem is not a warm, fluffy feeling, according to Tanya, the way I understand it. Kirvas Hashem is coming to a deep, visceral recognition of reality. That's called Kirva Hashem. And then you don't even want to scream out. You say thank you. You don't even, there's nothing to ask for. You just say, you just endlessly, you just say thank, thank you endlessly. You don't even need anything. Just thank you and help me serve you. That Those are the only words that come out of your mind. When you get really, really connected to, to the yichud of reality, what else is there to say? Thank you, and let me live in line with this reality. Okay, what's the Kesha? 
between Yichad Hashem and Dir B'Tachtoinim. Because really, in reality, they're one Indian. Now, Dir B'Tachtoinim, everyone's heard the phrase Dir B'Tachtoinim before? Do any Kesha with Chabad ever? You, you would have heard those words, Dir B'Tachtoinim. Hashem was misava. he desired a reasonless desire to have a dwelling place in the lower realms. But dear Batachtonim smacks of like um um like a pneumia, like a dormitory, a dira. Yeah, it's like a dorm. It doesn't mean that at all. It means a marriage, it means a home. Dira means a relationship between a man and wife that takes place in the home. That's what the home is for. The home is there for the man and the wife. So Dira is not talking about just having a house at all. It's talking about ha having a home for Hashem. And now listen to the subtlety and the beauty of this, of how this works, is that what, what's, what's it called? What's a successful marriage? Anyone wants to throw out what we would call an expression of a successful marriage? When has it been that a husband and wife have been successful? When they each want to do more for the other than for themselves? I feel I said it better myself. When the rotson of the other square, when the when the other's reality becomes more real to you and more urgent than your own reality. Now you've become a successful spouse. That's like, wow, such a, so far, but that is, that is what I've understood from my Rebbe. That is what marriage is. When your spouse is more real to you than you are to yourself. Meaning that you put their ruts on before your ruts on. And that's really how marriage is built is that the man, the traditional way of how it should be, is man, the man earns the money, he gives his wife life, and the woman makes the makes the home, she gives the man life. So you're both giving each other their most essential rutson, which is life. You provide her with life by way of panasa, and she provides you with life by way of turning that panasa into food and clothes and shelter, etc. So your the marriage is set up. The traditional marriage is set up that you can be caring for her ultimate need, which is to live, and she is taking care of your ultimate need, which is to live. That's the traditional setup of marriage. So, so now what's the kesha between Yichud Hashem and Dir B'Tachtoinim? And it's like this, your wife should not be in your mind the best woman in the world. Your wife is the only woman in the world. Big difference. It's not that she's the best, it's that there are no other women. So it comes out, I just had a shift from Manus the other day. It comes out that if a person's really worked properly with he's done the job. And his wife knows that she's the only woman in the world for him. 
he could come home and say, we got this new secretary at work and she's mama's gorgeous. He could come and say that and she wouldn't have a problem with that. Oi. Just have to know. Not that you should say that. Not that you should say that. But that she wouldn't feel threatened in any way. She would say something, well, that's great for the business. Bo Hashem. It wouldn't be a thing. See, if a man's married to his wife because she's beautiful, that's called an avatalui vidava. Then someone comes along who's more beautiful. Now there's a big problem. But the way marriage works is it doesn't matter if there's another woman who's more intelligent, who's more beautiful, who's more thoughtful, who's funnier, who's got a nicer personality. All of these different things are irrelevant because your wife is exclusive. That's what it means. That's why you say, we are exclusive to him and he's exclusive to us. So getting clear Yichad Hashem means there is only one. There's only one. It's like there's not, it's not like God is, well, my computer's going weird. It's not like God is the best and the most powerful and the most infinite. He's all there is. That's marriage. That's a marriage. That's why we're so hell-bent on this whole thing about Shema Hashem Hashem Echad. That's why Yichud Hashem is such a, is the central, it's the central pillar, Amud, of Yiddishkeit, because it's a marriage. And now we're saying with all of our heart, there is no other God. Not that you're the God of gods and you're the best God and you're the most profound reality, is that's all there is. That's dear Batach Everyone's clear on that? That was worth getting up for this morning. That's a very, very important thing to know. So the, cent the central message of Yiddishkeit is Yichud Hashem, not just stum as some kind of cute philosophical thing, like the way Spira, Spira goes into it for the cute philosophicalness of it. Yeah, he likes the, that's not what we're about. We want to get this clear in our mind because then we'll realize there's nothing else here. There's no other purpose for being here. There's nothing else to serve. Not that this is the best service. And like, you know, golf is also good, but, but this is better. No, there is nothing else. That's the Deir Betach That's why Yichud Hashem and Deir Betach are completely really one, one concept. And it's amazing how practical it is. Well, it's the same with everything that's profound and true, is it's always ridiculously practical because this is exactly how a relationship with our wife should be. It's not that she's the best, not that she's the most amazing, that she's all there is. I mean, the paradigm marriage was with was Adam and Hava, and that was really the case. It was only Adam and there was only Hava. That's how it's meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now... Again, we're going to do something really special here. This is the way the Rebbe does this. is so, so, um, so sophisticated, so beautiful. So the lower simcha is, there's there's what we call, I've called it the lower and the highest simcha. He doesn't use those words. That's just my words. So the simcha comes from, I now have the opportunity to serve him. Isn't that a tremendous simcha? 
That's a tremendous simcha. I have the opportunity now to serve him. And even more than that, I did nothing to deserve it. It was like a, it was like a lottery that I won. I just got given this this um, schus of being Jewish by my parents. I didn't do anything. So it's like you know, it's like winning the lottery. A tremendous simcha. But I get, I've I've got the opportunity to serve him, and I did nothing to deserve it whatsoever. So that's a source of tremendous simcha. But then he goes on, and he says, "That's great." And that is great. And it's important to think like that as well. But that's just the lower simcha. The highest simcha is the Rebbe turns around and says, It's the difference between, and we've said this before, but this is where we learn it from, is the difference between the two brothers, the two children, one who wants to bring his father the slippers and the one who wants his father to have the slippers. The Tani is trying to push us to become the second child. The first thing we said is it's a tremendous simcha that I'm Zoycher to serve Hashem. That's beautiful. That's amazing. But that's all about me. The next stage is to, to join Hashem in his simcha and to get simcha from the fact that he's besimcha in the fact that you're helping him fulfill his plan. Not that you're besimcha that you're helping him that you're besimcha, that he's besimcha. That's a complete 180 in how you're seeing reality. Originally, I'm looking at reality through my eyes and I'm grateful and happy that I can serve God. Now I've moved my perspective to his eyes and I'm happy that he's happy. That's the difference between the child who wants to bring his father the slippers and the child who wants his father to have the slippers. It comes out by the first kid who wants to bring his father the slippers. If the other kid brings the slippers, it's a little bit uncomfortable because I wanted to bring in the slippers. But by the second kid who wants his father to have the slippers, if the first kid brings in the slippers, he's just as besimcha as if he bought the slippers because his perspective is from the Rebbe That's the movement to the higher simcha. Now, what, what the Rebbe says here, again, we've said this a lot of times, but we'll finish on this point, which is which is the toughness of the shir, I think. I'm going to read in, I'm going to read inside. He brings like this. This is what the sages said in Sechta's Makos. Tayag mitzvahs nitnal Israel. 613 mitzvahs are given to Israel. Chavakuk came and he stood them, important Lashon, al achas, on one. Yeah? Shne'emar, as the famous uh, famous Chazal is, the tzaddik in his emuna lives, koloyma. Now, this is the Rebbe explaining. It's like there's only one mitzvah. Which is emuna levada. What emuna means, emuna in yichud Hashem. That through emuna levada, we come to be makayim kol tayaga mitzvahs. Why is the kid called a bar mitzvah? Why don't we call him a bar mitzvah? A 13-year-old, you should call him a bar mitzvah. 
He's a son of mitzvahs, not a bar mitzvah, singular. She wouldn't call him bar, she'd call him ben. But anyway, let's, let's forget about that. That's a different thought. We call him a bar mitzvah. Why singular? He's now a son of mitzvahs. So this is, this is, it's like, I think we've said this before, we're going to say it again. When a person wants to be a good husband, yeah, we've said this before. Anyway, we'll say it again. A person wants to be a good husband, yeah? What's the criteria for being a, a good husband? There's loads of stuff, okay? You have to pay the mortgage. You have to take out the trash. You have to feed the goldfish. You have to uh, clean the window. I, whatever your shtick is, whatever you have to do, yeah? Being a good husband is about a checklist of lots of different things. But being a good husband is about me. It's not about my wife. See, the goal is to mature from wanting to be a good husband to being focused on your wife. The goal is to mature from wanting to be a good father to becoming exclusively focused on your children. That's, go on, Chaim, say hello to everyone. Hi. It's my son. <laughs> Nice to see you. So becoming a husband is about stopping trying to be a good husband and becoming exclusively focused on your wife. Being a good parent is about stopping trying to be a good parent and becoming exclusively focused on your children. When it's about being a good parent, there's a checklist of all these different avoiders. When it's about being a good husband, there's a checklist of all these different avoiders, yeah? When it becomes about the wife, there's just one. Oh, in this situation, my wife is expressed, her need is expressed by me paying the mortgage. In this situation, my wife is expressed by me putting my dirty socks in the laundry basket. In this situation, my wife is expressed as me cleaning my plate after I had my dinner. There's not these endless avoiders. There's just my wife. And she manifests in this situation like this. She manifests in this situation like this, in this situation like this. Everyone's with me? That's Tzaddik Be'emunasoy Yichyeh. There's only the Abuelah Shalom. There isn't Shmir Sanayi and Shmir Salosha, Sifas Belimud, and Ian Betafila, and Avoidah Sakhila, and Avoidah Tzedakah, and Shalom Bayis, and Vachule, Vachule, all these endless checklist of things how good a yid are you well today i was great with shmir sanayim today i was great with shmir sabris today i was great with shmir saloshim today i was great with my taiva sahila today the tick 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 what about reorienting yourself to getting reality clear that there's only the reboi nishoylem oh look there's a gorgeous woman walking in front of you yeah it's not okay now i'm gonna practice shmir sanayim it's the Reboi Nishloilam doesn't want me to look at her. 
the Rabbeinu Shalom becomes manifest. And then I turn my eyes away as opposed to this separate kind of avoider of Shmiris and I am. The Shmiris and I am. It's a different, it's another thing that I have to deal with. It's another thing. So I wrote like this. This is a good way of saying it. When one shifts his focus to his wife, he stops experiencing four things and starts to experience one person. The four things I wrote here is uh, pays the mortgage, washes his plate, buys his wife flowers and mows the lawn. As we can move our focus to our wife, those four things get replaced by one person. And those 613 mitzvahs get replaced by one God. That's Sadiq Menasa Yechia. And that's called Adir Batakhtoinim, which is marriage. That's called becoming married to the Boilishoidim, not being married to your voider, not being married to your striving for excellence, but being married to him. So it ends up, see, what does the Raboy Shalom really want? His deepest desire is to turn darkness into light. And that's what we're doing. In everything, all the avoiders that we're doing, we're really turning the darkness of this world, which obscures Hashem, into a burning fire. A Yid, the, the Balatanya Paskins, that a Yid, who's doing a mitzvah, you have to stand up in his presence. You should, when you see a yid putting on tefillin, you should stand up. Why? Because you're not seeing a yid putting on tefillin. You're seeing the Rabbeinu manifest in his world. It's amazing. You just see a yid with a couple on. A yid with a couple on. A Ben Yisrael walking through the street with a couple and sits is. You're seeing the Rabbeinu entering into his world. A portal opening and the Or Hashem pouring into Oilam Hazel. That's called turning the darkness into light. And that's his ultimate, that's what he's all about. And that's the Deir B'Dachtonim putting that before any other shtick that I've got. And so just to quote the, um, that's also, by the way, another way of referring to that is called turning the Rishusa, transforming the Rishusa Rabim into Rishusa Yochid. The Rishusa Rabim is the, uh, is the Kleeper. Rabim, Loshan Harbe. Yeah? Yushusa Yochid, Loshan Yochid, Loshan Echad. That's the avoider of the Ben Adam, is to turn the Rishusa Rabim into a Rishusa Yochid. That's what we're here to do. So I'll just finish off by quoting the Rebbe here. Vizer Shakosov, Yismach Yisrael Boisav. Yisrael is happy in its maker, not in its ability to serve its maker. But Yisrael is happy in its maker, Perush. Shekol mishahu mezeri Yisrael. Every yid. Yesho lismoyach basimchas Hashem. He has the schus of being basimcha in Hashem's simcha. Not that I'm zoicha to serve you, but that you're basimcha. You're basimcha. That's my simcha. Asher sas basamach b'dirasa b'tachtoinim. That Hashem is sus for Samach in his day of Betach That's my Simcha. Rabbi Shalom, you're happy? 
I'm happy. Oh, he made you happy. It wasn't me who made you happy. You're happy. That's all I care about. It's like with your kids. I mean, it's real. It's not. It's just normal. Do you care that you made your kids happy or somebody else made your kids happy? You're happy that your kids are happy. There's nothing worse than seeing your kids miserable, you know? So when your kids are happy, who cares? You made them happy. Your wife made them happy. Imagine how crum that actually is. I've heard of that before, where a wife would be, would be, or the husband would be jealous of the wife, or wife jealous of the husband, because they're the one who makes the kids happy. You hear that? That's so corrupt you know i mean it, it might it could happen you can understand it happening but when you're understanding it deeply you you care about the kids happiness who cares how they got happy that's about me i'm not it's, not, it's about him and so he finishes off by saying that's the that's our whole avoider our whole avoider <coughs> is by getting clear on the fact that there's nothing other than the Boi that we are exclusively his, and he's exclusively ours as well. That's Anila Doidi Vidoidi Lee. He feels the same way to us as we do to him. And that's called a marriage. That's called Dirbatachtoinim. And when we're putting his needs above our needs, because his needs are more real to us than our needs, then he comes into his world and he turns, what happens is the darkness, the darkness of the cleep of the Shusa Rabbim turns into light, turns into his Shusa Yachid, and that mamash puts the biggest smile on his face you could ever imagine. And that's our simcha, that the Rabboni Shalom is besimcha. Not that we made him besimcha, that's another thing, and that's important to be aware of because we are human beings as well, but the, the Yiddish simcha is the fact that Rabboni Shlomo is Basimcha. Bezrat Hashem, we should be zoichet to see the real Hashem's, the completion of his Simcha, Mamash. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay. Amen. Thank what you. Was that was Perek Lamed Gimel. Any questions? How many you, times did Avi go in and out? <laughs> this year <laughs> what, did, what did you title this year the joy of I entitled this year the joy of divine dwelling <laughs> but I'll tell you just as a very quick thing I don't know if you know the Lubavitcher Rebbe created the they call them the 12 psukim you ever saw this he chose 12 not familiar oh, it's, I haven't, oh I haven't I, I actually yeah the they t- all memorize them. Yeah, the kids memorize them. The Rebbe's twelve pesukim. Torah, Tivolan, and Moshe. Moshe, Shema Yisrael, Bechol Doi V'Doi, Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelat Ram Haba. He took four from Tanakh. He took four from Chazal, and he took four from Tanya, and two of them from Tanya came from Perak Lamad Gimel. I'll just quickly read you the two the two ones here. The first one is This is the entire man and the purpose for what she was created. And the creation of all the worlds higher and lower. That there should be that she he should have a dear betachtoinim. That's number one. So one of the psukim is that Hashem should have a dear And number two 
is, and this is what we just put a big emphasis on, Yismach Yisrael Ba'oisav. Yisrael should be besimcha in its maker, will be besimcha in its maker, perish. Shekol Mishim is there Yisrael. Every year, Yeshlo Lismoyach besimchas Hashem. Asher sas besamcha diyasa betachtoinim. That you are happy in his happiness. That's really called becoming, that's, that's our goal. That's our goal. We are happy for him because he's happy. Okay. Oh, uh, by the way, just as a quick thing, Pasha share this week, I'm going to England f- to visit my parents for Shabbos. So I'm going to give the Pasha share Lineda at 7 p- uh, 9 p.m. on Wednesday, LA time. If you're interested in coming along. Okay. Hello to everyone.